And good morning, everyone. For the sake of those who are new with us, let me just uh, say that several weeks ago we uh, began a, a series here at Calvary, which we've entitled The Battle for Truth. And uh, let me just start out by saying that I'm deeply concerned for the Christian church in America today and for the purity of the faith, which, as Jude said, was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, when Jude wrote those words, he was exhorting true believers in every place, in every age, to earnestly contend, and the word means to fight for with every ounce of strength, for the purity of the faith. The faith is the truth of God, which he has delivered to us as his people. And we are to fight for the purity of it against the attacks of ungodly teachers who would try to pervert and destroy the truth of God with their false doctrine. Paul talked about these individuals and also warned us about them in 2 Corinthians 11. For he said, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no wonder. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light, Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Paul taught that it was a faithful shepherd's responsibility, and he had in mind pastors, of course. It was the responsibility of a pastor to both lead and feed the flock of God, but also to watch out for and warn them against false teachers and false doctrine, which he himself did by actually naming names. Paul did this very thing, and he wasn't shy about naming names. In fact, he said that false teachers, their message spreads throughout the body like a cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Now, we haven't been in this series for a few weeks because of the holidays, so let me just quickly review and help the new people to kind of get up to speed here. In the course of this series, we have been studying the lie. Not a lie, but the lie. It's a very specific satanic lie that the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, but as we have already seen, it's a lie that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It is a lie that the Antichrist, who will be possessed by the devil himself, will use to deceive the world into believing. All those people who refuse to receive the truth of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they might be saved, will be deceived into believing the satanic gospel of the Antichrist. And Paul warned us that the mystery of iniquity or lawlessness was already at work. In other words, Satan was already at work preparing the human race to receive the Antichrist by working hard to spread the lie in one form or another throughout the world. And we've talked about the different religions and belief systems based on the lie. We talked about uh, Hinduism and the New Age movement, to just name a couple. If you want to know what the lie really is, you got to get the teachings from 
the beginning of the, of the uh, series, because we, we developed what the lie was in detail. So Satan has been working for a long time in the world. And remember now, when Satan planted the lie in the garden with Eve and Adam, it was in its embryonic state. It's had 6,000 years to grow and develop and spread throughout the world, which it has been doing quite effectively. But, and this was what brings us to our study this morning, the devil has also been hard at work in the church, infiltrating into our ranks little by little with the lie as the church of Jesus Christ has kind of lowered its guard, as the church in the last generation or so has become less and less discerning, more and more gullible. As leaders in the church, for whatever reason I I can't figure out, have stopped following the command given to us as Christians, but especially as pastors, to test all things and to hold fast to that which is good, which is of God, because leaders have stopped doing that, they've actually opened their arms and welcomed in this Trojan horse. Dave Hunt, who is a Christian author and apologist, said, and I quote, Christianity may well be facing the greatest challenge in its history, a series of powerful and growing seductions that are subtly changing biblical interpretations and undermining the faith of millions of people. Most Christians are scarcely aware of what is happening, and much less do they understand the issues involved, end quote. So we're trying to help you understand the issues involved. But remember once again that Paul warned us in 1 Timothy 4. He said the Spirit of God expressly says that in the latter times, he's talking about the last days, the days prior to Christ's return. Folks, he's talking to this generation of believers. He said... The Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. What are doctrines of demons? They're the lie. The very lie we've been talking about. Paul said the Spirit of God has warned us that in the last days, the lie would infiltrate into the church and many would embrace it and turn away from the truth. Jude said, contend earnestly for it. Paul said, do that, but know this, there is coming a great apostasy into the church of Jesus Christ that will be in conjunction with the coming of the Antichrist and the ultimate return of Jesus Christ to the planet Earth. And so we want to warn you, we want to talk about this. As we move in our study from one end of the spectrum to the other, from the charismatic to the conservative camps in the church, we find ourselves this morning standing somewhere in the middle. Out of all the doctrines of demons that have infiltrated into the church, none have been embraced and practiced by a wider number of professing Christians than the doctrine we are going to look at today. And all I can say is that I am shocked and dumbfounded at the appalling lack of discernment on the part of so many evangelical Christians who love the Lord. I know they do. And who are otherwise good, solid believers in Jesus Christ. 
but yet they have bought into this deception. And I'm especially devastated by the number of well-known and respected Christian leaders who have embraced this teaching and are enthusiastically endorsing and promoting it to their churches and in their books, books and materials on this subject that the body of Christ can't seem to get enough of. Of course, it's not being packaged and presented as the blatant occultism that it is. I mean, Satan's much too clever for that. Instead, it's being hailed as a wonderful and powerful new way to pray called visualization. Now, just what is visualization and how does it work? Well, first of all, let me give you a little background. Visualization and guided imagery have been practiced by those in the occult for thousands of years. Sorcerers, diviners, and witches for many centuries have known that the most powerful and effective methodology for contacting the spirit realm in order to acquire supernatural power and knowledge and healing is through visualization. Visualization is based on the belief that there is power in the mind to create your own reality. It comes from the ancient Hindu teaching that the visible universe is actually an illusion created by the mind called a maya. And therefore, they say, since what we perceive as reality is really just an illusion created by our minds, then if we visualize in our minds a different reality, in other words, you're sick and you visualize yourself as healthy or you're poor and you visualize yourself as wealthy, well, then you can create whatever reality you desire for yourself through the power of your mind. Now, this is just another variation of the lie which says that we are gods and we have unlimited power within just waiting to be tapped into and used for whatever purposes we desire. And visualization is one of those techniques that we can learn to help us accomplish this very thing. Now, I want to be careful here so that you don't think I'm saying that any use of the imagination is occultic and therefore forbidden by God. I mean, God gave us the ability to use our minds to imagine things. And certainly the ability to visualize in one's mind's eye certain things is a great help, especially for those who are artists or engineers, designers, uh, architects, novelists, screenwriters, and so on. I mean, the ability to use your mind to imagine something before you create it or construct it is a great blessing, right? And certainly not occultic. It's what we might call normal visualization. But the visualization we're going to be dealing with today has nothing to do with the normal use of your imagination. It is an occult technique that seeks to use the power of the mind and mental images to create and to control reality. Something quite different from the normal use of your imagination. And as I said, it has crept into the church and is being embraced by many in the name of biblical Christianity. Paul Yonggi Cho, who pastors the largest Christian church in the world in Seoul, Korea, says this about visualization, and I'm quoting him, Through visualization and dreaming, you can incubate your future and hatch the results. 
in the foreword to Pastor Cho's best-known book, The Fourth Dimension, Robert Schuller writes of visualization. He said, and I'm quoting him, Don't try to understand it. Just start to enjoy it. It's true. It works. I tried it. Thank you, Paul Youngie Cho, for allowing the Holy Spirit to give this message to us and to the world. Well, Mr. Schuler got it backwards. The devil gave it to the world, and the world gave it to an unwitting, gullible church. And that's the problem. Don't think about it. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't test it. God forbid. You might see it for what it is, but just embrace it. That's the problem today, right? No discernment. Young Cho says God revealed to him that spirit is fourth dimension. And contained within this fourth dimension is creative power. Listen to this. Cho says God created the universe by visualizing it. And then anyone, occultist or Christian, Satan or God, can create in the same manner through applying what he calls the laws of the fourth dimension. So what we have now is God has turned into a Christian scientist who doesn't create because he is God and has power within himself. He just has tapped into certain laws come to understand those laws, and I was using them for his own purposes. You can too. I mean, you don't have to be a Christian to use the laws of the fourth dimension. You can be an occultist. Satan himself can use it, like electricity. You don't have to be a Christian to use electricity. Electricity is a force that, that can be harnessed, of course, and when you understand the laws of electricity, you can harness it and use it for whatever you want. Don't have to be a Christian to do that. Just in the same way, anybody can use these laws of the fourth dimension. That's Christian science. That Jesus was not the Son of God. He was a scientist who came to understand certain laws of nature that we are ignorant to. And he used those laws to do things that to us seem miraculous, but really, honestly, if we could get a person from 200 years ago and transport them into the future and they see what we can do, fly in airplanes and we have computers, they would think, oh, that's a miracle. It's not. We just understand certain laws. Pastor Cho tries to force the teaching of visualization into the Bible in the story of Abraham. Now, you remember the story. You remember at one point how God took Abraham outside into the night. At this time, Abraham had no children. And God said to him, Abraham, look up into the night sky. And as he did, God says, I promise you that someday your descendants are going to be as innumerable as the stars of heaven. We all know that story, right? Well, here's... Pastor Cho's take on that little story. He claims that Abraham began to visualize countless descendants and that this is what brought about the birth of Isaac and eventually all the children of Israel. He said, and I'm quoting him, I imagine, that's the problem, he's imagining this, it's not biblical. I imagine that Abraham, when he looked up at the stars, all he could see were the faces of his children. And suddenly he felt that he was hearing them call to him, Father Abraham, Father Abraham. He could not sleep when he closed his eyes, for he saw all the stars changing into the faces of his descendants. These visions carried dominion over his 100-year-old body, and it was transformed as if it were like a young body, end quote. Folks, that's not biblical. That's pure fantasy. That is eisegesis at its worst. 
Eisegesis is reading into the scriptures what you want them to say instead of exegesis, which is extracting from the scriptures through study and prayer what God has actually said. But we see this all the time today. He goes on to write, We should always try to visualize the end results as we pray. If you have not visualized clearly in your heart exactly what you hope for, it cannot become a reality to you. Now, let me ask you, who is in control with this kind of teaching? Am I in control or is God in control? It doesn't sound like God's in control. It sounds like we're being taught a technique that if we understand and apply, we can basically write our own ticket with God. We can basically turn God into our servant because it isn't the sovereignty of God that's the issue and what he wants. It's what I want that's the real issue. And if I can just learn this technique of visualization, I can basically have whatever I want. Even though when it comes to prayer, Jesus clearly taught us to pray, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And he taught us in another place, Father, may your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. Prayer is not about getting my will done on the earth. It's getting God's will done, which he has declared in heaven, done upon the earth through my life as a channel. It's not to turn God into some kind of cosmic puppet where I am in control and I pull the strings on God and he does my bidding. But this is flooding into the church today. And with regard to visualization, they tell us that you doesn't come natural. You've got to learn how to do this. You've got to learn the techniques and all and then practice it. One author, a Christian, well-known Christian author, wrote a popular book on success. Here's what he suggests. He said, and I'm quoting him, form a mental picture of what you desire to achieve. Place yourself in the picture. Say it's a new home. Draw all the details in your mind's eye. That's you in the yard standing by the Mercedes-Benz. Who's Cadillac in the driveway? That's your wife's, of course. It's yours the minute you visualize it. Think about it several times each day. Soon, all your powers will be concentrated on its achievement, end quote. Folks, again, this teaching is not found anywhere in the Bible, but it is found in all occult literature as far back as you want to go. Medical doctor Mike Samuels and his wife Nancy, who are practicing occultists, they're not Christians, practicing occultists, point out in their definitive study on visualization that it has been used for centuries by people all over the whole world in the healing of diseases. He writes, and I quote, For the Egyptian followers of Hermes who believe that everything is mind, again, the whole universe is simply an illusion created by the mind. Disease was thought to be cured by visualizing perfect health. Among the Navajo Indians, elaborate concrete visualizations in which a number of people participate are used for healing a sick person. The right helps the patient visualize himself as healthy. Paracelsus, a Swiss alchemist and physician of the 16th century, believed that the power of the imagination is a great force, a great factor in medicine. It may produce diseases in man and it may cure them. 
In the late 1800s, Mary Baker, uh, Mary Baker Eddy discovered Christian science based on the concept that disease is essentially a product of the human mind. The origin of all disease is mental. All disease is cured by divine mind, end quote. Psychic healers Bill Henkin and Amy Wallace stressed that, and I'm quoting them, visualization is one of the most potent and widely used techniques in psychic healing, end quote. Now the question is, if this thing has been practiced in the occult for thousands of years, what are we doing fooling around with it in the Church of Jesus Christ today? And the, the uh, Christian leaders who promote visualization defended by saying that occult visualization is satanic, but you have to understand something, it was ripped off from the people of God by the devil. He counterfeited it. It was originally given by God to his people, and the devil just kind of ripped it off and is counterfeiting it, and that's why the people in the occult practice it. But really, it's of the truth of God. Now, I agree that Satan often tries to counterfeit something that God has given to us. We talked earlier about the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and that the Antichrist is going to come with a false satanic gospel of the Antichrist. We know that there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of them is the gift of the word of knowledge, which the devil has counterfeited with the, the occultic counterfeit ESP, extrasensory perception. We know that there is often many things that Satan will rip off from God and counterfeit, and we see it being practiced in the occult. Tongues is another one. Tongues is a legitimate gift of the Holy Spirit, but we also see it practiced in the occult. However, when it comes to visualization... There is no true visualization taught or practiced anywhere in the Bible for Satan to counterfeit. You will not find one Old Testament prophet, not one, not Isaiah, not Jeremiah, not Daniel, or anyone else who taught or practiced that the way that you get in contact with God, the way that you get a revelation from God, the way that you conjure up God is to visualize him, as some are teaching today. Never did Jesus teach his disciples Whenever you want me, just visualize me and I'll be there, as we're being taught today by some. Also, nowhere in the New Testament in the Gospels did Jesus ever teach his men that the key to answered prayer was a technique called visualization, that if they would just practice it, whatever they could imagine strong enough in their mind's eye, it would basically materialize. Never taught that anywhere or practiced it. Now, those who are teaching this are quick to say, wait a minute, the Bible does clearly teach visualization. And they will rattle off passages. I'll give you a few. Philippians 4.8, they say Colossians 3.2, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, just to name a few. All right, well, let's look at those quickly, okay? You don't have to turn to them. I'll just read them to you. And you tell me if they teach what I just told you is visualization forming an image in your mind and thinking on it so strongly and so much that you want to bring it into reality, you tell me if these scriptures are teaching that. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, Paul said, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, 
meditate on these things. Colossians 3.2, Paul said, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. How about Joshua 1.8? God said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, the Hebrew word for meditate is a word that means to chew the cud. And the idea is to mull it over. You know, read it, reread it, extract from it everything God is telling you that you might have the grace and the strength to do everything that God has said. I don't see in this verse the idea that if we just think on something in our mind's eye strong enough, we're going to make it happen. It's all about God's word, God's law, being obedient to what he has said. And here's another one. I'll give you one more. Hebrews 11.1, 1, where it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Listen to this. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Trying through visualization to see things that are not seen would seem to specifically contradict this last illustration. I mean, the Scripture is telling us that faith is all about believing God for what you can't see. It's not about conjuring up in your minds by trying to see things that are not to bring them into reality. Now, those that are teaching this make the further attempt to validate visualization to make it seem biblical by quoting Proverbs 29, verse 18. And they only quote the first part of it, and then they have to quote it out of the King James Version because it won't work with any other version. And here's what they say. Here's what Proverbs 29, verse 18, the first part of the verse in the King James Version says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. You heard that one? Where there is no vision, the people perish. And so here's how they interpret that. That's why we need visualization. Because without things like visualization... The people perish. People won't get saved. I mean, it's, we need this. It's biblical. Well, let's look at that for a minute. The word vision in that verse is the Hebrew word hazan. And it means a revelation a prophet receives from God. Sure, it could be a vision, but a, a vision that God gives in his time and in his way. Not that we conjure up in our time according to what we want. So yes, it could be a vision. And maybe that's why they translated it that way in the King James. But the idea is it's a revelation from God. It's the law of God, the word of God. Also, in the King James where it says the people perish, it is not referring to people dying in their sins. The Hebrew verb means to cast off restraint. And so the newer translations, and especially the New King James, has it right. And let me read it to you. Let me read the whole verse. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law of God. That's the idea. If God had not revealed his law, there would be nothing to restrain the evil in the heart of man. But blessed are those 
who keep the law of God, who live according to his commandments because they will live a happy and a blessed life. This verse is obviously not teaching anything about visualization. However, God does have some pretty harsh words to say to those who practice these kind of things. Give you one example, Jeremiah 23, verse 16, where it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. God is talking to his people in the days of Jeremiah. The people had turned their backs on God. They had rejected the law of God. Why? Because their leaders, the prophets and the priests, were not teaching them the law of God, the word of God any longer. They were teaching them the occult practices of the Canaanites. And so God says do not to his people, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. In Micah chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, it says, Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets, who make my people stray from the truth. You shall have night without vision. And you shall have darkness without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be dark for them. So the seers shall be ashamed, and the diviners abased. The idea is that God is saying, look, I'm going to put the lights out and punish all of you prophets who claim to represent me, but are not teaching my people the truth. Instead, you're causing them to stray with your false occultic teachings of divination, just like the Canaanites. That's why Isaiah said to the apostate people of his day in the nation of Israel, he said, to the law and to the testimony, exclamation point. Get back to the word of God is what he is saying. And with regard to the false teachers of Israel's time, Isaiah said, and it applies to the people today, if they, if any teacher does not speak according to this word, what word? The word of God. It is because there is no light in them. Dave Hunt said, and I'm quoting him, the growing belief that visual images created in the imagination open the door to a closer walk with God is part of an epidemic of extra biblical teaching that is being accepted in the church today. The door is being opened to demonic delusion, and it is astounding how many Christians are walking through it, end quote. Through the prophet Hosea, God said, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And he went on to severely rebuke the prophets and the priests of Israel who were not teaching the people faithfully from the word of God, but were filling them with all these false occultic teachings, which was bringing upon them the judgment of God. They're destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people have turned their backs on the truth, and they are walking in darkness, and if they will not repent... As Jesus said, I will, will remove the candlestick from among them. I will leave their presence 
and they will be judged. This is a serious matter. This is an extremely serious matter. God's people today are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Pastors and teachers in the body of Christ, many, have strayed from the truth and are teaching their people things, and I'm not questioning their motives. I'm not judging their hearts. I'm only challenging the methods that they're teaching. I'm not saying that they don't love the Lord, many of these people. I'm sure they do. I'm not saying that they're purposely trying to hurt somebody. I know they're not. But they have strayed concerning the faith like Hymenaeus and Philetus, and they overthrow the faith of many. It's a serious thing. God said, there is coming a day when I will give to my people good shepherds who will feed them on knowledge and understanding. The knowledge of God and understanding of his word. I'll give me one last quote from Dave Hunt. Dave said, and I quote, This shamanic technique, a shaman is a witch doctor. Witch doctors have been practicing visualization for thousands of years. Dave said, This shamanic technique will play an increasing role in preparing the world for the Antichrist. And we need to know the arguments that friends and loved ones are being given to draw them into this. Think it through carefully for yourself. See what the Bible says. Pray and be ready to rescue as many as you can before it is too late. End quote. Folks, the truth of God is that faith is not a force, like we learned a few weeks ago. Some are teaching faith is a force. It works according to certain laws, like electricity. If you understand the laws, you can harness this force called faith, direct it at God, and basically write your own ticket with God. Faith is not a force. And prayer is not some kind of occult mind power technique like visualization whereby if we learn how this stuff works and we practice it enough, we'll be able to turn God into our servant, put ourselves in the driver's seat, and do whatever we want to do and get whatever we want to get. Now, they don't say it quite like that, but that's exactly what they're teaching. I've said this before. Let me just say it again as we bring this to a close. Isn't that what the fall was all about? How God told Adam and Eve, a good God who loved them and knew what was best said, look, I've given you a whole forest of trees in the garden. They all bear fruit. Go ahead and knock yourself out. Enjoy yourself. There's only one prohibition you can't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day that you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will surely die. Satan comes along in the form of a serpent and says to Eve, you won't surely die. God's only looking out for himself. He doesn't want any competition. He knows if you eat the fruit of that tree, your eyes will be open and you'll be like him, like God, knowing good and evil. Eve thought about that. Yeah, okay. Looked at the tree. Looks like any other tree. Fruit looks good. Everything looks like any other tree. Yeah, why would this one be bad? And so she ate and gave to Adam and he ate. And the fall occurred. And because of the fall, all the horrible things that we now live with, sin and death and disease and injustice and brutality and rape and violence and everything was all the result of the fall, which was the result of man thinking he knew, what, he knew better than God was best for his life. 
In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, you had man's declaration of independence. We will not have God rule over us. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to do what we want to do. And when you became a Christian, what you basically did was renounce that independent, self-willed attitude, and you now say, Lord Jesus Christ, you are my master and Lord. You are now the Lord. I am your servant. Speak. Your servant listens. What do you want me to do? And the whole Christian life is learning how to give up control to God. And now a teaching comes into the church that basically says, no, 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 you can be in control. If you just learn this technique, you can visualize whatever you want. If you want success, it's yours. You want health, it's yours. You want prosperity, it's yours. You want somebody to fall in love with you, you can visualize that and they'll become yours. You can be in control. When that teaching entered the church, especially given its history that it's been practiced in the occult for thousands of years, you know what? Red flags should have gone up all over the church. Instead, gullible leaders who ought to have known better threw their arms around it, embraced it, brought it into the church, and are now endorsing and promoting it in the name of biblical Christianity. All it is is an attempt to put man right back where he was in the garden, which caused all the problems in the first place, instead of submitting to the will of God, who knows best. One of my favorite scriptures, probably a life scripture for many of you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And of course it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in who? The Lord. And lean not on what? Your own understanding. Well, wait a minute now. Visualization teaches me that I can have whatever I want. The solutions to my problems, whatever I understand them to be, I can visualize and I can have. But the the writer of the Proverbs of the Proverbs said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, and this is the key, acknowledge him. What does that mean? In every decision, you bring God right into the center of it. Every decision, you say, God, here's what I think should be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, because Lord, you know what's best. You're my master. I can pray for things that I think would be a good solution, but God, you're the one I want to yield to and submit to. So, Lord, whatever you want in this situation, and if you do that, then God will fulfill his promise to you, and the Lord will direct your paths. It's a sad day for the church, as the people of God are buying into things that they really should have nothing to do with. We're going to be talking, this is just the tip of the iceberg, we're going to be talking about this a little more in detail in the next week or two. You have no idea how this is spreading, and it's not just through what we have talked about today, it takes on other forms, contemplative prayer, the emerging church, these are all things that incorporate visualization and other things that promise people these techniques will draw you closer and closer to God. But in reality, they're nothing more than Christianized occultism, which when practiced will take you farther and farther away from God while deceiving you all the while that you're really moving closer to God. It's dangerous and it's deceptive. 
give you one last scripture. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Where Isaiah said, Lord, you will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, focused, fixed on you because he trusts in you. That's the bottom line. That goes directly against visualization where I focus in my mind what I want and I keep concentrating on that image, keep concentrating until I make it come to pass. That is sorcery. It is occultism. It is not biblical Christianity. And those that open the door to that kind of thing will find themselves not drawing closer and closer to God, but the devil will use it to drive a wedge between you and God and destroy your faith and destroy those around you who you lead into this practice as well. It is a serious thing. And I want to warn you, because it's in the church, and you know people who are practicing this in one form or another. I guarantee it. Maybe not in this church, hopefully, but some of your Christian friends somewhere. Because the lack of discernment in the body of Christ is abysmal. And shepherds are not watching and warning their people anymore. In fact, they're bringing the stuff in. And if my pastor thinks it's okay, and he thinks it's good, it must be good. Remember what the Holy Spirit said about the Bereans. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the teaching of Paul on the word of God, but went home and searched the scriptures daily to prove that what Paul was telling them was true. You don't listen to me. I'm not the final authority. God's word is the final authority. And as I teach you the Word of God, as you go home and you check it out for yourself, if I'm teaching you according to the Word of God, great. Do it, apply it, live it. And if I'm not, then you had better rebuke me or you better leave this church and find a church that will teach you the truth. But that's the problem today. People are not discerning. They're not holding up God's truth above everything else, even though it says that God puts His Word even above His own name. Today, people are putting the names of their pastors or their TV evangelists above the Word of God. That's a serious sin. And so God helped this church to walk in His truth, to earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints in these last days. Jesus is coming soon. The battle is raging. He wants us to be faithful as good soldiers of Christ, to stand for the truth. May God give us the grace to do that.